Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode, young man of the name of Pierre, who has made a great documentary about Bitcoin and um, economics. Definitely need to check it out. Share it with your friends and family. It's called The Great Reset, and you can watch it for free just directly from Pierre's website. So there's no excuses. Get over there. Check it out. Support a pleb on his mission to educate as many people as he can about Bitcoin. Before we get into the show, please do me a favor. Go and check out the companies that support this show and make it uh, possible for me to keep putting these things out. You can start stacking sats with Swan Bitcoin. They are based in the US. You can dollar cost average with those guys or use their private service. You can get in contact with me if you want to use their private service or DM one of the Swan team directly. They'll put you into the right hands. You can also do this in Europe with Relay, R-E-L-A-I C-H forward slash bitten. That will take you to the correct link. Do your own research. See if this is a service for you. You can dollar cost average out of your euros and pounds and into Satoshi's. Brilliant app, brilliant team. They even just won an entrepreneurial award in Switzerland uh, across all different companies and sectors and industries. So Bitcoin is making waves over there. Check out the Relay team. They're doing great work. Coin Corner are based in the Isle of Man. Again, you can use euros or pounds. You can dollar cost average, pound cost average, euro cost average, fiat cost average. I always forget that. Or you can use uh, their exchange to smash by as well. You can also sign up for their bolt card. Get a bolt card linked to your app. So you can start using Lightning Network and uh, paying merchants who are brave enough to start accepting Bitcoin and need our support. Please check out one of these um, conferences. Uh, I'm going to be in Amsterdam. You can find the link in the show notes. If you use the code BITTEN when you're buying your tickets for the conference in Amsterdam, you will get a discount. Definitely use that. You don't want to pay full price. Save some Satoshis back. Again, it's the code BITTEN, B-I-T-T-E-N, if you're looking at the Amsterdam conference. Come and see us in Prague at the Liberty in our lifetime conference put on by the Free Cities Foundation as well. That is going to be uh, an excellent place to meet and greet other people, not just Bitcoiners, but other people that are thinking differently. And you can help them down the rabbit hole, I'm sure. If you want some cool uh, merch, Go and check out Ungovernable Misfits. That's brought to you by Max from the Bit by Bit Pod. Brilliant t-shirts. And Consensus Network. Have you covered for books? Buy your friends and family a book, especially in their native tongue. They've got many different languages there. They're doing brilliant work. But the most important thing I'm going to leave you with is to take care of your Satoshis. If you've gone to the trouble of buying them in the first place, please store them safely. Check out shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and get 5% discount on your hardware wallet. Let's do 
this show with Pierre. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. All right, we are recording, and uh, I'm here with uh, Pierre Corbin. That's right. That's exactly how you pronounce it. Not yeah. bad. Correct. That that's it. That's it. Okay. I didn't even practice, listeners. I didn't even. <laughs> I, I I just went for it. Well, Pierre, welcome to the show, brother. It's uh, it's nice to get to to meet you. Yeah, uh, great to be here. Thanks a lot for having me, Daniel. Well, for those people that don't know who you are, um, why don't you just give a quick background as to like your main project within the Bitcoin space for what people might have heard about you for, and then we'll um, start doing all the fun stuff like uh, rabbit hole stories and wait for Lauren to burst through the door and interrupt the interview and uh, ask her questions. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm the direct producer of the, the film The Great Reset and the Rise of Bitcoin, um, which is uh, just a film that covers, you know, the state of the economy uh, as to, well, up to last year, really. Uh, maybe it would need a refresh eventually. Uh, and then introduces Bitcoin as, uh, well, you know, what we as Bitcoiners believe uh, it is, which is this... Uh, um, safe haven and this asset that could potentially allow people to be protected from what is going to happen in the economy, which essentially is a lot of money printing and a lot of inflation that um, we're really seeing now. And uh, especially in Europe, given what the you know the ECB is doing, how they have to bail out all the energy companies, is just confirming what I mean. The thesis of of the film, and um, you know, and I think uh, that it's worth people check it out, learn about it. Uh, it starts with the basics of uh, uh, Ray Dalio's uh, video, how the economic machine works, and just looks at these theoretical concepts and digs into the actual data and where we're at. So uh, I think, you know, I, I tried to cover a lot of it as well as how Bitcoin works in a very interesting, a bit dark way uh, and uh, just try to make a proper documentary out of it. It's it's a great film, mate. I love it. Um, and I've been it, it's it's a good way for me to get the kids to watch it because this morning, usually they're like, no, we don't want to watch anything about Bitcoin. You know, this is it's too much, Dad. You're always talking about it. You know, we they're still they're still trying to de Bitcoin themselves from the weekend in Beeritz that we spent um, all together there. Mm -hmm. uh, but because Lauren is going to come on and ask you some questions today. Uh, I sat down in front of the film this morning while she was eating her breakfast. So she, she wasn't going to move anywhere. So I could like just put it and she was mesmerized. And before you knew it, 15 minutes had gone by after she had even finished her breakfast. Um, so it's, it's for all ages. And it's, a, I mean, it's brave of you to do it uh, because it's not like you've got any actors or anything like that. You've taken it's documentary style. You've taken lots of clips, and I love a lot of clips that we already know in the Bitcoin space, uh, which resonates with us all. And then you're putting your opinion over it and trying to, you know, guide the the viewer through this story. My question to you is: At what point did you ever suffer from like crippling imposter syndrome? And did you ever? Uh... <laughs> you were yeah, so, yeah. yeah yeah because i had just so many conversations about this you know with like uh people around me before the film came out because at the same time um you know putting a film out there where i just write a story um and then put images on top of it 
that's one thing. But then it became a bit boring while I was working on the film because it's, you know, just the voiceover and just some clips. It's like very uh, monotonous, right? It just, it feels like it's always the same thing. And so then the idea came to actually film myself as I explain some of these concepts in a more of a natural language, not just reading out a script. Yeah. And that's when the imposter syndrome really kicked in, because, you know, it's a bit, first off, in filmmaking, it's a bit of a faux pas, you know, like uh, uh, talking not to the camera, so a third person kind of conversation while I'm the director of the film. It's, um, you know, it, it's not great. In the end, the result made the film better. So, you know, a faux pas that ended up working out, right? And uh, that was the, the goal of it. But yeah, the idea that there's just this random dude called Pierre that like films himself and like talks like he's an expert and like the it was a bit, uh, you know, like the first few days I remember I was in, in Dubai then the film was released on the 5th of January and um, I was in Dubai visiting my brother that, that lives there and I was just a uh, really anxious about this you know and really wondering what uh how it's going to be perceived and uh but you know i think in the end what matters is putting quality content out there and just go for it and if, i mean if people don't like it they won't like it in fact uh, before releasing the film i sent out the film also to a bunch of different um you know pr companies from the film industry just to see if you know there could be a conversation started and uh, uh and i ended up chatting with one of the producers of um um the Blair Witch Blair Witch project and uh, some other big films and uh yeah and he said that I mean that's kind of it brings down your confidence but again you just have to go for it because he basically told me that first off for him Bitcoin is a dodgy thing <laughs> and that he links it to scans and all I would just answer it well I hope one day you'll learn to like uh go beyond just this idea you have about Bitcoin and study some more and also that for him the fact that on top of that, the director of the film is himself the main um, uh, star, you know, the main interviewed person in the film. It just makes it double dodgy. So it's, uh... but yeah, in the end, uh, all went well. And it was very, very well received. So that's, uh, that, I mean, that was my goal. I had to make the best film I could for as little money as possible. I love it, mate. It's so Bitcoin. Big, anything Bitcoin touches, it turns on its head. So yeah, like the critics are going to be saying, oh, this is a faux pas. You cannot do this. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You can't set a camera up at yourself slightly off kilter whilst you sit on a couch talking to nobody in front of you whilst you're the film, the, the, you're, you're the, the cast, the director, the producer. <laughs> it, it, but it works. It works so well. Uh, you should be very, very proud. Uh, and I just wanted to, uh, to let you know that... Um, you took a chance and nailed it, and I, I want that to be uh, the message to all the other plebs that are sitting there thinking, I know I can contribute in some way, but something's holding them back. A fiat legacy mindset is holding them back. What would be your message to those people? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of going for it. Uh, there's, there's no right way of doing it. There's no good time to do it. It's just kind of, you know, put time aside for what you feel you're really passionate about and find the right form and uh, and just do it. I mean, the the results, especially when doing uh, something that is a bit of a community approach, like the, the way I tried to do this, that was really, you know, I mean, the, the film completely for free. Um, 
for the first 500,000 views, there was no ads on YouTube. I mean, I just wanted to spread the information as much as possible. And the feedback you get from the community and the people that reach out, and I mean, it's just, it feels great. You know, it's like, it's so much better than any kind of fiat results you're used to throughout your entire life. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's very humbling as well. You know, it's, uh, it's worth it. Is there a way for you to monetize the film or is it just literally all going to be generated via some kind of ads that are on YouTube or is there a like value for value play where we could like stream sats or anything like that? Where are you looking at for, for this in the future? So I'm not necessarily looking to monetize this film more. I just want to keep it as it, I mean, you know, I do have ads turned on now on YouTube. There's uh, some other channels that also have the, the film and with some of them, we do 50-50 on the revenue uh, of the ads. Um, they also have it on Amazon Prime and, you know, we they rent it out and we do 50-50. So um, that's kind of where it's going to stay at uh, for that film. Uh, I'm looking at different options to monetize the future films that I would have. And this is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity out there with Bitcoin also, just the fact that people just want to help, you know, they want to contribute, they want to donate and like... Uh, um, yeah, like a lot of people reached out uh, asking for a lightning address where they would be able to send this kind of stuff. And, uh, um, and you know, and I'm more trying to focus on how I could build this for the next project that I have and how I can integrate this entire project with a more long term approach uh, to uh, monetizing this through the community. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to throw out a lightning address, we can put one in the show notes. If people are interested, um, they can send you some sats. Um, but this brings us on to like just yesterday, the announcement was made by Geyser. Uh, you have won um, some of the uh, the grant there. Uh, Geyser Fund, if if anybody is not following them, they should be because it's you know built by plebs for the plebs, where people like yourself. Uh, and many others doesn't have to be filmmakers could be absolutely anything you know we, we, we've got we've gone from like uh, a child's games all the way through to filmmaking all the way through to a motor racing team in the UK that applied for grants and all got some of um, the one bitcoin that was donated and um, you know spread out across these projects do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how you found Geyser and um, you know the 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 process so other people out there can learn a little bit more about it yeah so um so in my case what's happened is that so i'm, I'm trying to work on a, on a new documentary project right and uh, uh i want to do it bigger better than the first one so i'm trying to raise money for it yeah? and uh, so i was just reaching out to as many people as i could that i know are angel investors in bitcoin or have uh, worked on different documentaries and um I just kind of wrote to everyone a bit of spamming sessions. That's what I like to call them. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, so, so I got an answer from uh, Brad Mills that told me to email him and uh, Becca that works with him. And uh, and we just started having a conversation. And so Brad Mills is an investor in Geyser and he recommended to um, uh, just start a fundraiser there. So they put me in touch with uh, Mick, which is the CEO and founder, co-founder of uh, Geyser. Really cool guy. And he works with Stelios. That is also, I mean, they're both amazing. I think the vision they have for how they can develop uh, Geyser uh, in a Kickstarter kind of way, but that links community in a much stronger way. I mean, I love it. I think the kind of ideas they have are really, really amazing. 
And uh, yes, yeah, so I got in touch with uh, Mick. We got on a call. He kind of explained everything and uh, the vision that they have for Geyser as well and what it could look like to put uh, my project uh, up there. And um, yeah, and so I did, you know, I just prepared all the content, prepared a video and uh, started raising the funds there. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a bit difficult right now, I think because there's such a, a vision of Bitcoin that is store of value <laughs> rather than a means of exchange for most, uh, you know, Bitcoin holders. Um, and especially when the price is low, like it is now, there like it's a bit difficult to raise this money in Bitcoin. But um, I mean, that's fine. You know, that's anyway part of the work that, that has to be done. And Geyser, what they need is just as much promotion as possible. And they try, I mean, adding projects onto their platform is also a way of doing that, right? Because I'm working hard to do research articles, videos and post all of this uh, and it all refers viewers back to geyser and you know so it allows us to create a bit of community of a community between the people that have projects on geyser and the geyser team themselves and uh, and we often chat you know we have a telegram group with all the creators there and uh, so it's uh it's cool i have to say that uh, i really like working with geyser and, uh, and having the campaign there so how many, um, if you don't mind me asking, I think it's common knowledge anyway, um, how many SADs were sent your way via this uh, first round of um, the grants? So I was uh, lucky enough. I don't know. Maybe I just uh, showed the work. I was one of the five projects that got 5 million SADs, um, which is about $1,000, something like that. So um, it's really cool. I mean, I'm very <laughs> happy. And because, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's far from what I actually need in order to be able to produce the film, but it's just, you know, one additional important point in the sense that 45 projects were, uh, uh, you know, got a grant from Geyser and they split one Bitcoin among these 45 projects. And being one of the five projects they received the most, the biggest amount of sets is just a great thing, you know, a great thing to show and to mention to new people I would talk to uh, that could potentially be interested in funding my next project as well, right? It's just a matter of having certain KPIs. So it's, uh, you know, it's everything that brings one step closer. And it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really amazing. Mate, it's, um, yeah, it's brilliant. I'm going to, um, I'm going to go there and um, send you over um, it, straight in the fund. For those people that don't know where to find it, just go to Geyser um go, go go find them on twitter you can go to their homepage and you can just scroll through all of the different projects that are on there and you can find pierre on there and then you um well let's let's scroll through it here like uh you've got so i hit fund this project so for 10 bucks you, um you just get a thank you email from pierre that'd be lovely uh in french or english i'm sure uh for 50 bucks you get a mention on the website of the film hundred dollars mention in the credits uh and it goes on um a thousand dollars you get a, a personal call um i i feel very lucky now uh five thousand fundraising executive producer mention on the ten thousand executive producer mention um yeah let's let's hope people come and find your project and uh you know there's lots of film lovers out there that have even worked in this industry before and will be able to reach out and, and lend a help helping hand in some way what what would be the best way if somebody is sitting out there listening? I mean, 
sound engineer or like I know whatever because there is a lot of talent in this space who who would you love to hear from to help you with the next project um yeah so actually the whole team that I have for the uh for the project for the the documentary they're all bitcoiners that reached out to me so you know I have a great guy Thiago for uh everything that would be the graphic and uh, um um animations uh cgi he's like super pro and he just wants to work on bitcoin project he in fact when he wrote to me he told me i made my mission for 2022 to make sure that there's no bad bitcoin content that is released <laughs> uh, just to, <laughs> to make sure the quality is really up there so it can impact people some more right so you know and, and there's only people like that, that that have reached out uh, now of course there is still some help that is needed um not necessarily for the production of the film directly but maybe more for the um for the current work that that i'm doing because um what i'm doing hello, what, what i'm doing right now is just this uh, big uh, uh, marketing campaign i'd say where i just do the research with my research team there's uh, five of us in total and we just want to put out some articles around the topic of that project. And then I make the videos. And so, you know, there's so many steps and so much work and, you know, people that would want to just jump in and contribute to uh, making, you know, helping with the editing of these videos or whatever. That's uh, that's the kind of help that, that I could use. All right. Well, if there's anything I can ever do to help you, uh, you know where I am. Just reach out. Um, I, I mean, I have this platform. I, you're welcome back on any time at release of the film. Um, my network is your network, right? As we know, uh, yeah. we will share the same network now. Uh, yeah. that, that's the old fiat, the old fiat um, uh, kind of saying, isn't it? Your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. Well, our network is Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. to the moon, baby. Right. Lauren mm -hmm. has joined us. All right, Lauren. Mm -hmm. uh, what question do you have for Pierre? So I know you make like movies or documentaries and my question is why do you make documentaries instead of books or other things like that? Um yeah, I think I just um I like the visual aspect some more. So I mean I watch way more movies than I watch than I read books, first of all. Because I just I don't know, I like the excitement, the the, the mix of um the information that you get, the visuals and the music. I mean, it just brings a lot of emotions at the same time and allows me personally to be more focused and get more out of it. So I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a really good way to uh, dig deep into a topic while focusing on the important aspects. Cause you know, a film is an hour and a half or so. So you can't go as deep as you would in, in a book. Uh, and um, use different kinds of media put together to bring out something that is uh, interesting and fun to watch. But but I have to say, I, I am thinking of uh, maybe making a book version of, uh, of my first film. I'm thinking maybe if I, if I complete my second project, rather when I complete my second project, I can maybe have them together in uh, written format you know people can read through it rather than having to watch the film they can just buy a, kind of a book and uh, have both stories there put together because I want to make sure that both stories are very let's say married the first one is to the individual and why bitcoin matters to you and the second one is more of uh, 
for nations, uh, governments, and uh, the geopolitical play there. Okay. Would you like to see a kids' film made about Bitcoin one day? Yeah, that'd be cool. How How do you think it would look? What What would be the uh, like the perfect movie for an eleven year old to sit down and watch to learn about Bitcoin? But at the same time, it's got to have helicopter and car and gun chases in it because every freaking movie does these days, right? But Bitcoin isn't about that, is it? No, it isn't. So how do you make a movie? Bitcoin's got to redefine how we make movies for uh, like a eight to 15 year olds to watch. Lauren has herself a new job. Yes, exactly. Yeah, can... well, maybe a kind of... Uh... Uh, you know, cartoon-like, not necessarily cartoon, but like a just anime kind of film um, with a, with a storyline rather than just documentary, right? Because uh, documentary is just a lot of information in your face. Uh, even my film, I think, in order to, if you're new to Bitcoin, you have to watch it twice to really understand everything. So I think uh, maybe something more with a, with a nice storyline following some characters. Uh, and I think that's uh, maybe more interesting. Mm. Yeah, that would be probably. Yeah, all right. Get 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 going. Go make a film. I can't really. I don't have the things to do that. What, what you have people like Pierre would be more than happy to uh to help you out learn, point you to some resources. Yeah, just the storytelling. That's the first part, right? Like, how do you tell a story? What? Yeah, that's the first part to look at because the rest, you know, it's um, I think you have to rely on other people. If you have the idea and you can tell the story, then other people are better than you at a lot of other things. And if you have a good enough story and you're passionate about it, then other people are going to want to jump in and help. So I think, uh, you know, don't be afraid of relying on other people and their expertise. That's why they're experts. Do you have any further questions? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, you got a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will say goodbye to Pierre. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, yeah, one thing I did want to mention uh, and shill for you, uh, because they're coming on the show uh, again soon, third time back, My Movies Plus. Have you heard of this platform? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, my there? film is, in fact, on my Movies Plus. So, um The free tier, yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, that's that's big shout out to Corey, who's doing some great work over at uh, my Movies, a passionate Bitcoiner running my Movies Plus on a Bitcoin standard and accepting subscription in Bitcoin. It's uh, he He's taking as many of the Bitcoin films as possible to put on my Movies Plus, and the idea being... Uh, they will never disappear. They will always be available. And he's working on a way to even decentralize via torrenting um, all of the movies that he's putting on there. So Yeah, yeah. So I met him actually uh, in Miami during the uh, mm -hmm. Bitcoin conference in April. And uh, yeah, we got into a big conversation of, in general filmmaking and also because um, right now the difficult thing in Bitcoin is um, to try and... Um, make a film that would not be a documentary right because there's a lot of documentaries because right now i mean especially at the level of the community that we have today it's mostly people that are passionate and just want to learn in detail and so they they want all of this you know information but there's a moment where the community will be much 
wider and it'll be easier to try and make other projects i have ideas for that too like some series you know like uh, but i think it's maybe too soon still i don't think there's necessarily um a wide enough audience that would justify this kind of budget well that's ah i i want to urge you to go make that thing just just talking to lauren right there that there's a huge there, there is there's enough of us but you know these these independent films they go to the um like the sundance film festival or something like that and you just never know where that's going to take somebody's mind um the um i can't wait for the day and it's going to happen in the next two to five years i'm sure where a bitcoin film like uh you know documenting the the mind or the rise of satoshi and like um the the uh the discovery of bitcoin put in some characters into place and the amount of drama that's happened in this space i mean come on like the the, the script is there the characters are there you've got the uh the good guys the bad guys uh you know it's yeah it's... so the, the idea that that i had was um around um having different characters that uh, are from around the world and for um each of them a different reason um comes to the realization that we need something new and decides to build bitcoin and mm -hmm. the, the idea being that we are all satoshis right and right. that everyone in his own way will be interested by bitcoin for some people it can be you know understanding that it's a potential great future for our energy grid for someone else it'll be protection from inflation um from someone else it'll be protection from the government i mean there's like I, there's so many reasons why someone could be interested in it and covering one story from one person and then moving on to the next person that lives in completely different situation but for different reasons that are just as uh i mean real true uh decides to build the same thing so i think there's a there's a right you know proper way of explaining things through a story and emotions rather than just pure information and documentary style and then you've got all of the different genre of film as well you could do this right you, you've got yeah. like a dark film you've got like a thriller you've yeah. got uh you know just pure drama you got a comedy oh come on mm. where the, the comedy would be the best <laughs> yeah i agree that it's i think it's i mean comedy is like a very very difficult genre right just to write it and subjective <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, mate, we, we've um, we've got to touch on y your rabbit hole story. Like, how did you even come to this? Were you even in filmmaking originally? Like, you, you I, I believe you grew up in France. Probably went through mainstream education. Take take us back. What 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 happened? What what led yeah, you here? Yeah, sure. So um, yeah. So I'm so I'm French and Spanish, half half. Uh, but I grew up in Poland. Um. I've lived between France and Poland kind of on and off, but mostly Poland because my dad was an expat and the whole family just went there. Um, what what so, business you know, was that, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, he was in the energy uh, uh, industry. Uh, uh -huh. and heating. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, so we were kind of going back and forth, but mostly staying in, in Poland. Um and yeah, I mean, I went through classic education, French education, although no, my uh, primary school was all uh, in English because I lived in Krakow in Poland and uh, there was no French school. So my parents sent me to a British school, which was I mean, great. And uh, and then after that was just the, the French system. 
I stayed in Poland to do my bachelor's degree and then I traveled to Australia to do my master's degree in finance. And that's when I did a film course, actually. Uh, and it was just a six month film course, kind of introductory. We did a, a short film at the end of it that sucked, but it was the whole, <laughs> the whole experience, you know, finding actors and uh, working with these actors. It was very interesting. Um, and yeah, and so this kind of, I mean, this interest just grew in me. And when I was traveling, I would make videos uh, and just post them on YouTube, uh, on my personal page. I don't know if you want to go check them out, but they're there. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so just uh, kind of uh, working on this. Uh, but at the same time, I was uh, very interested in tech during my master's degree. I was studying finance. But at the same time, uh, whatever free time I had, actually, I was learning how to code. And, uh, and then I got my first job when I came back to Europe. And just continued learning to code and directed my job towards this actually just building stuff um, and a lot of data analytics and just uh, deep research. Um, and at some point, I, don't know, I was consultant. So I was just doing like a project for Microsoft and uh, it was just, um, I was getting a bit sick of it. You know, the idea that, I mean, it's cool. I'm working on like super techie stuff that like, like you know you dig deep into a topic but in the end like the only goal is to make sure that microsoft earns a couple extra million a year like do they even need this like uh and at the same time there's bitcoin on the side there like uh, i don't know I, I was just sick of it and i said okay you know what uh screw it i quit and uh it took me three months of uh, wondering what am i gonna do now uh, i want to work in bitcoin how do I do that? What can I do? Because, you know, knowing how to code, maybe that's the way I should go, try and build something. But at the same time, I really like storytelling. So, uh, yeah, and I went for, for the film. But when it comes to rabbit hole story, yeah, I got in in 2017 in crypto, not Bitcoin. Right. In fact, the first coin I bought was Ethereum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, but, you know, that's how you learn. You buy into one very dodgy crypto you lose a bunch of money and you're like wait what how come and how come bitcoin is like doing awesome and so and you just dig deeper uh, and uh yeah and that's uh that's kind of how how it happens and the more you dig deeper the more you listen to podcasts the more you listen i mean it's just a this kind of loop right so the more you learn the more you want to learn and the more you're going to spend time learning until there's a moment where i thought man maybe i can create some content myself what age was this? Uh, so that was last year. So I was 29. When you started doing the content. But so um, yeah. when you were in Australia and uh, doing all that, how old were you at that point? Uh, 21, 22. Right. Okay. Yeah. And at what age did you realize, fuck this shit? Fiat corporate. No, when life. I was like, it started when I was like 28. Uh, <laughs> and the decision really came when I was 29. Because it's really, before that, I was like deep in the fiat system. Like mm. having a corporate job and doing this cool stuff, it was like, I don't know what I had to do, kind of. I felt productive for the world, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it only, I think it takes some time to realize that actually a lot of the stuff we do is useless. And uh, because we are also so, I mean, everyone around you, especially when you, I used to work for, I worked for two corporations. They were both American corporations, like huge, you know, they're all in like Fortune 500. And uh, the, when you're in this kind of organization, 
everything around you, all the message that's, you know, every the email, like all this communication is about we're working for a better world. You know, we're like having an impact. We're like, and uh, I think um, taking a step back and realizing that, well, actually not so much. Uh, yeah. It's it's like, a, you know, I think a lot of people don't even want to do that because it goes against what you've been led to believe for a long time, you know? And um, it's a hard kind of uh, detachment. But once you detach from that, you start detaching for, from a bunch of different like topics that you thought were important to living in our society. So I want to um, dig into this a little bit because there are a lot of listeners out there that are trapped in their fiat uh, world. Um, might be listening to this even on their way, on their commute. They, they could be in a car driving, yeah. stuck in traffic, driving to their, you know, their nine to five or on a tube, just like... Um, absolutely you know dejected at the the thought of another eight hours sitting there doing the same old shit when they've got bitcoin on their side and they just want to escape there's a whole lot of demons to face right and it's different for everybody i faced it down at the age of 37 married four kids 18 year career you faced it down at the age of 28 uh single so that th there's different things I i'm assuming single excuse me i, I don't want to project any assumptions um but without kids let's say yeah. and um like you said there's this weight on your shoulders of the sunk cost fallacy of the amount of work that you've put in whether that be your master's degree or phd or four-year university degree or whatever maybe you le left work uh, left school and started work at the age of 20 and you've already got eight, nine years into your career, there's a sunk cost fallacy. And like you said, all of that messaging around you in this little bubble is just another few years for that little dangled, like uh, what did someone um, call it the other day? Joe Paul said a great thing, um, title inflation. Like, oh, okay. you become VIP or you become executive director. Uh, and not only that, Baked into all of this is your parents' pride that is weighing on your shoulders as well because, you know, it, it was their job to steer you through this, to give you the best opportunities in life. And um, if you turn around and make this decision and say, no, nah, I'm done, I'm out, I'm going to be unemployed for the next three to six to nine months, don't know, possibly unemployable if you um, listen to what society is going to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. It changes relationships uh, with the closest people in your life. There's a lot to face down. How were you managing all of these feelings? Um, sometimes, I mean, now it's much easier because it's been a year now, over a year, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was uh, some difficult conversation. I mean, like the first time when I told my parents, yeah, I'm, I'm going to quit my job. They're like, okay, great. And so what are you going to do? You know, like, uh, the, what's your next job? Because the idea is always you can't quit your job until you have another job lined up, you know? Classic. And uh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, so first question was, so what's what's the next job? What do you have? And well, well, nothing. What do you mean nothing? Are you sure it's a good <laughs> idea? Like, uh, and all of these questions, you know? And, and the hard part is that 
it took you forever to convince yourself that that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go convince others, you know, even though you don't have to, right? But there's this, just this, you know, normal social relationships that kind of make you have to go and justify yourself. Um, and that's a lot of conversations to have. But, you know, in the end, I think what matters is you're doing your own thing. I mean, people can have their own opinion. If anything, you have to put the work in to show them wrong, you know? I think that's uh, just what there is to it. Uh, you just have to be convinced, maybe a bit stubborn, and hopefully you're stubborn for the right thing, right? Because you could be completely wrong about something. Let's say if you're stubborn about Ethereum, uh, <laughs> think about Bitcoin some more. <laughs> so I think uh, it's, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you just have to be yourself convinced and then you can convince others. And all of this stigma kind of little by little moves away. I mean, not so much. I think I had to do a lot of work in uh, how I was having certain conversations with people because a lot of opinions are uh, the source of conflict then because what you believe at your core changes and is different from what your friends, let's say, or close people still believe in, right? Because you, ha- there was a point where we had the same mindset about the world and like society. And then I started to go sideways. And so it impacts so many things in your day-to-day life that when you have conversations with the, the people that are following the same path that you used to follow, then conflict starts. And I think um, I changed a lot the way I approach certain conversations. First off, it's much more fact-based than opinion-based. I tried not to share my opinion because this is when it becomes conflictual. And also, I don't know, to just relax a bit more. I mean, when I have conversations like that, I'm not the one getting emotional it's everyone else getting emotional defending their position which Which is is so weird right it's so weird i can't really even understand it in fact because um they will defend themselves without even being attacked in the first place right (laughs) which uh, and especially that when i talk about these kind of things i'm not talking about um what they think i'm talking about what people think (laughs) you know it's uh it's weird it's very weird but because they are part of the collective you you know you you are attacking their thoughts without even realizing it because they just sat down that morning watched breakfast tv downloaded their thoughts for the day and their program for that day and and off they go around their around their merry life but when they meet someone like you that's like yeah no i i I, i'm a digital nomad i i don't have nine to five i follow my own dreams my own passions or someone like me, yeah, I got four kids, yeah, took them out of school, traveling the world. They're like, what? <laughs> like the classic Greta is like, how dare you? Like, it's like, whoa, what? I'm just telling you what we're doing. Like, yeah. it holds this mirror up to people exactly the same with Bitcoin. When you get into these discussions with people that, you know, are never going to, you know, they're just so ingrained like peter schiff perfect example that these these characters that we just keep coming up and up against or even in your personal circles like um you try and explain bitcoin to someone or you might be wearing a bitcoin t-shirt or something it comes up it's somehow in in conversation so you just drop in a few truth bombs and that's it it's like you've just sworn at the person for like 15 minutes or something or physically abused them just by dropping in a little truth bomb about Bitcoin that has leveled out the FUD that they've been programmed to believe. But somehow you're still the bad guy. Yeah. And it's exactly the uh... same when 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 you exit fiat life. 
but you've done the research you you've you've gone through those dark sleepless nights you've faced down all of the demons yourself and then when you come out into the world to tell people hey this is what i'm doing they just want you back in the cave with everybody else yeah yeah and there, for many conversations now i'm starting to quote uh, satoshi nakamoto even more and then look if you don't understand it i don't have time for it do your own <laughs> research you know like uh, the because there's just so many situations where the conversation can just go on forever. And I have plenty of these, especially now that I'm here where my parents live in the south of France. So I spend some time with my parents, obviously, and we have a lot of conversations like that with my dad. And, uh, you know, very often I'll just say, okay, well, just do your research. Like, don't mm -hmm. say what I'm saying is wrong. Like, we have different information. The only difference is that I already have your information. You just stayed with your information you didn't go look at mine kind of that's um yeah but people i think are just lazy they it's easier for them to just stick to what messages put right in their face rather than uh, go look for the other side of the message are they proud of your film yeah no very 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 no i think in general even if like with my parents with my dad particularly i'm gonna enter some conversation but we don't necessarily agree on facts about inflation, this kind of thing. Um, the, what I'm doing and the way I'm doing it, um, this intellectual approach, the, yeah, they're both very proud. My mom, whenever I release a new video, wherever it is, so I'm starting to experiment now. I created a profile for my project on Instagram and on TikTok, which, I mean, I don't care much for these platforms. It's mostly YouTube and Twitter, but you know, just to put content out there, try and bring people from, uh, from around other platforms so it's it's a bit difficult for me and there's very little followers there but my mom she she installed tiktok just to be able to follow me and whenever i post something just to give it a like you know so it's uh yeah it's it's really nice uh, from this uh you know we may have different opinions but when it comes to my work and what i want to do they're very proud well we even had michael saylor say this weekend at the uh the honey badger conference in riga that the best thing we can do is start making baby shark style TikTok videos explaining Bitcoin. <laughs> so, so yeah. I think yeah, that's well, why. He's... So there, there's, I there, think there's that... this uh, this little girl page right on Twitter. I think that even Michael Saylor had retweeted. I forgot what it's called. Where she oh, that's Lily. Is that Lily's show? The the little like uh, three or four year old that yes, interview. Yes, She's yes, interviewed yes. Sailor and uh, and Mal right. uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Lily's show. She's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Big shout out for Lily. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, mate, we there's not enough meetups, is there, uh, for you know places we can bring um, people like our, our parents along too. I mean, they're, they're getting more and more. I was in the UK and. Um, Bitcoin racing team uh, had uh, a race meetup just half an hour from where my parents were staying. So I was staying with my parents. I'm like, right, come on, dad, let's jump in the car. Let's go watch some mot motorsport for the day. Like it, he kind of can't say no to that. And it happened yeah. to be the day of my birthday as well. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I was in full control of that. And I took some books and uh, I gave some books out and I signed them. But, you know, it was a small meetup. There's probably 10 or 15 other plebs there. Uh, but we were trackside. We were hanging out with the guys from the Bitcoin racing. Everyone was getting hugs. Everyone was getting stickers. Uh, you know, a conversation started happening. So he got a little insight to this weird little cultish world that he's 
not explored yet um but like for, for your dad as well like you know looking out for for meetups yeah th we've got to work on that more actually as a um as a community i think it's going to be very powerful to unlock um those closest to us yeah i think so but at the same time yeah it's a bit difficult so uh, last week or two weeks ago i was in barcelona um just for a week because a friend was uh, you know lending us uh, her apartment and um while we were there found on actually my girlfriend she found on telegram uh, a bitcoiners group and we just wrote saying hey let's meet up let's do something mm -hmm. and so we met up with them which was really cool actually the barcelona bitcoiners are really cool guys uh but uh at the same time when you're at this kind of meetup the only thing you talk about is bitcoin <laughs> and uh yes sir. And, and, <laughs> i mean what else right, <laughs> right. Uh, but but also um what um conversations often steer to is bitcoin content that is out there you know and like which is normal it's just like people will say have you watched the last game yeah well have you listened to that yep. last podcast you know mm -hmm. uh and i think uh, this is uh this makes it a bit more difficult for outsiders because of course if you come there you've never heard about bitcoin and then uh, but the thing though is that bitcoiners are really cool people with very good values so there will be other conversation than that but i think it's more finding the right themes like the example that you give is great for a bitcoin meetup to bring other people right because you don't need to care about Bitcoin. You can just care about motorsports and just hang out with cool people that love me. Too, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we've got a couple of football clubs too in the UK. Obviously, we've got Pete's mm. Club, Bedford, and um, Oxford City are now sponsored by Coin Corner. So there's there's going to be meetups at uh, uh, those games. You know, take your take your parents along, guys, or your your friends, your family, your your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, whatever. It's um, or your wife. Like there's mm. another, there's another great big sticking point for a lot of us Bitcoiners, um, you know, like uh, the married Gen Xer that's gone fully down the rabbit hole, and he's now trying to drag his wife down there with him. <laughs> like it's, it's tough. You know that struggle is real. It's affected a lot of people's relationships uh, with those that are yeah. closest to them. Yeah. Well, so in the case of my girlfriend, uh, she's actually earning in Bitcoin today. What? She has uh, so she she gives uh, language classes. Yeah, uh, and one of the languages that she teaches is uh, Italian. And there, so we spent a month in El Salvador, and we met a few people. And there's this friend that has a cousin, and her, his wife wants to learn Italian because they're moving there, and they're paying her in Bitcoin because it's the easiest. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now that's exactly what we want to hear. Let, let, and let's talk about you. I mean, you're a digital nomad. People again. They want to live this kind of lifestyle so let's take a little look into that window are you i mean it's difficult to do that on a bitcoin standard right um i know a few people that do it and i know that the struggles they come up against it's getting easier and easier over time but it's very difficult to try and do that how, how do you handle that um so anyone listening thinking about you know putting the backpack on and just getting out there and trying to live um, from a laptop in and geo arbitrage and flag theory and and all of this kind of stuff what are your um what is your what does a typical year look like for you for example i don't know it's a, you know it's a matter of uh first off choosing where you want to go we tend to try and privilege staying one month in a certain place it doesn't always work out because you also just want to travel and see places right um but uh 
Yeah, find a place, ideally somewhere where you know you can have a minimum of a social life because otherwise it can get quite boring. Um, but there's a lot of places like that. So I think what the best place when it came to that was El Salvador, I have to say. After right. one week, we had a bunch of friends, which like never happens when you're traveling. But yeah, there was a, a lot of uh, just moving, maybe going to some friend's place or to some family, staying a bit with them, renting a place close by. Uh, and when it comes to being on Bitcoin standard, I mean, <clears throat> you can try and spend Bitcoin where possible uh, or use, uh, uh, you know, uh, solutions like BitRefill or, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I have to use the classic off ramps and transfer to fiat and then be able to, to spend like that, right? Which, I mean, it's fine, I guess. There's no other option if you have to, like, spend in the normal world then you have to use normal money i guess yeah and the clown world and, and clown money yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what are you using um like revolut or something is that a, yeah. a kind of good solution for people there yeah in general it is but uh not necessarily with the the bitcoin aspect of things i don't use it for that because you know not your keys not your bitcoin Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, just uh, whenever I do, uh, you know, sell part of my uh, Bitcoin, just to have some cash when I need to do that. Well, then I'll send it to Revolut because when traveling, it's they have like super low fees. I have the the metal plan, which gives me all the insurance I need. So like, uh, yeah, for this, it's super convenient for traveling. I really like it. And like by default, there's even a car insurance. I mean, there's just so many things I don't need to think about just because I use their services. So yeah, you know, to handle fiat stuff, they're they're really good. I really really recommend it. And I, I don't know if they've rolled this out globally yet. And I'm I'm not shilling Revolut here. I have no affiliation with them, but um my account is linked to a UK uh rev where I opened the, the original like God knows how many years ago when we were doing the digital mm. nomad thing. You know, we relied on it very, very heavily. Um the uh the the Bitcoin that you can buy on there you can now take control of. You can send it to your own hardware wallet, uh, which I think is only 10 to 12 months old at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but it's maxed out. You can only do like a thousand pounds each month. So mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't recommend holding anything more than that on there. But um, if you've just got like a small, like recurring stack set up on there, uh, that might be a good way for those people that are traveling just to hold a little bit on there and then switch it back into fear if they need it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but horses for courses. There, there, there are so many, like you say, bit refill. How, how do you use that? Um, so I haven't used it that much, but uh, I've used it for like buying some sports equipment even. Right. And like, uh, I don't know if you know the story, Decathlon. It's a... Oh. Like, of course it's it's, it's a chain of like it, it's a french mainstay like uh, you know, one of the I, I think one of the proudest um brands of france if i'm not mistaken yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh you know to buy some uh entry-level equipment it's pretty good and they they have stuff on vitrifle so that's one of the cases i've used it for restaurants and such i know that there are some options there but haven't tried it there so mostly you know when i wanted to just buy something that i needed whatever kind of i mean i don't buy a lot of stuff but you know whatever then i would just check if uh, if it exists on bit refill and yeah but that that's all i've used it for it's are you using um purchases. are you using sats back no 
I'll give you the referral code. You got to use Satsback because I, I don't know. Maybe you're using Booking.com or um, Airbnb or, or some other mm -hmm. places like that. You get Satsback when you book. Ooh. So you you download um, the the widget. You, you make an account mm -hmm. on Satsback. Takes like a minute. It's literally just an email, mm -hmm. I think. So it's like KYC free. You could use any email. And then yeah, every time if you're booking something on Booking.com for sure, I know this because I've got mm -hmm. Satsback from it then you might get anywhere between, I don't know, depends on the site. I think some sites even offer you 17.5% back on sets. Okay. Uh, so it's so easy. And, and shout out to Tom that's uh, put this together. Uh, and I think he worked closely with Walter as well. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth you you checking out. And there's more and more, more and more of these services coming online. It's so much building going on in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, but uh, I could use that referral link then. Yeah. I'll send it over to you for sure. Uh, yeah, I want to go back to something you said um, when we were talking about quitting your your fiat job. Mm. You can't, yeah, and the, the sage advice is such fiat advice. Never quit your job until you've got another job lined up. And when you think about that, it's so like it's so fiat it's 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 basically teaching you to go behind your employer's back and find another job actively seek another job whilst doing your own job so you can sneak out the back door when they're not looking or use that as leverage to get yourself paid higher yeah Ugh. <laughs> yeah it sounds very dishonest like that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and it kind of is, right? Because, I mean, you're building strong... I mean, you should at least build strong relationships with your manager, and whether it's for the job you have right now or even for the future, if you were to change, you know, it's just, you know, keeping good relationships to have a good network. Um, and this kind of approach is very normal and the accepted way of doing it, yet... But at the same time, you know, if you think about it, um, your employer, I mean, they can just get rid of you, I mean, just as easily. So uh, at the Classic same time, fiat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic fiat. Yeah. So there's also one stat you mentioned in your film about France. Um, do you remember it? Do you know what I'm referencing? Uh, uh, yeah, to the welfare system. Yes. Should yeah. we should we riff on the French welfare system and? <laughs> so yeah. So what what I mentioned in the film is uh, uh, what percentage of GDP is used for welfare. Uh, mm -hmm. Because that's the last, the third point, um, the third action that central banks and governments will take in a, um, you know, a situation like we're in today economically, where the whole economy is just deleveraging itself. Um, and France, uh, so the data I had was up until 2019. So, you know, I don't know what it looks right now. But back then, 34% of France's GDP um, was uh, social welfare welfare which uh for sure increased since then because since then there was covid plus the energy crisis we're having now that is only beginning so um yeah it's uh, just uh, increasing 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 uh which obviously i mean i think it's uh, not a good thing when people can't take care of themselves and it's funny because my my oldest daughter um she does go to the local gulag and uh, is dragging herself through the um, French education system at her own choice against all of my advice and best wishes. 
But um, you know, she's 17 and she wants she still believes in certification and it's gonna get mm -hmm. her somewhere one day. Um yeah, she she's opted to study economics, and the first lesson that they start teaching is Keynesian economics, like full on out there, you know, uh, John Maynard Keynes, and this is who we study, and this is why we study it, and inflation is good. And I'm like, motherfucker, like first lesson, really? So she's telling me all of this, and then um, she said, yeah, now we've got to study uh, chômage. So do you want to explain to people, you know, what that is? Yeah, so chômage, it's, uh, well, unemployment benefits. It's the fact that I think you have to work two years in France. I think it's two years. And after you've worked two years, you're entitled to receiving unemployment if uh, you don't have a job, whether you quit or you're fired, in fact. And um, the amount that you receive is, I think, up to 80% your previous salary or your previous highest salary. Um, uh, no, sorry, your previous salary. for The highest one is for retirement. Um, and uh, yeah, and I mean, it's very abused in France. I mean, I oh. personally know people that just decide to quit their job and travel off this uh, unemployment uh, money, which I mean, you know, right now, basically what started off as a way to like protect your citizens if for whatever reason they lose their job now just became a, I don't know, free holiday uh, mechanism, <laughs> literally. Uh, which is ridiculous, yeah, because I mean, people pay for that. <laughs> I mean, kind of, right? Inflation pays for it, and then you pay taxes on top of it, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird system that has developed in France around that. It's shocking. And the way that they're teaching the kids about um, how it's a great system, and, uh, you know, it's all like, it's very nationalistic, it's all rah-rah France, we look after our own, and all of this kind of thing. So she's telling me about um, how she's studying the system and um, how it's good and whatever else. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but how's it bad? What do you mean? <laughs> how could it be bad? It's like, all right, what kind, what what behavior does it drive? You know. Mm. And um, I gave her uh, Hazlitt's Economic 101 book, and she looked at two pages. She's like, I can't read this. This is going to screw me up. I'm going to get all my answers wrong. I'm like, right, yeah. So. <laughs> you're not interested in learning the other side of the story. I will yeah. have to learn it once I've finished the course, because I need to do the course to hit the right answers to hit the, you know, so I can yeah. get that like, right. Yes. You've just made a mockery of the whole education system yeah. that yes. you are subjecting yourself to you're mm -hmm. subjugating yourself to just one source of truth. As Jacinda yeah. Arden might say, yes. and not question. Yeah, because otherwise you get a bad grade, which means you were wrong. Absolutely. It, it doesn't. It, it, yeah. And good. Yeah. There's no subjectivity <laughs> I see the there. Frustration. Yeah. No, <laughs> it just, yeah, there's there's no logic in it. I, I agree. And that's, um, you know, that goes back to these hard conversations that you have with the, your close ones, right? Because you know they just choose they actively choose to like stay within this system way of thinking the system that is designed to uh relieve them of their money yeah constantly yeah. via full-on visible taxes or more insidiously you know that the hidden taxes inflation being a, the, the perfect example how did you 
rewire your brain because you went through all of this kind of classic education. Obviously, podcasts and whatever else were a big um, help, same as me. I had to re rewire my brain 18 years in financial markets. Um, what were the what were the resources you were using and um, you know the, the kind of epiphanies that you were coming to? So I think for me, the so what changed everything yeah. was listening to uh, the What Bitcoin Did podcast, uh, Peter McCormack. For me, this is like, yeah, that, that's, uh, and listening to, no, I think where the very first one listening to a podcast with Plan B, that was actually with Raul Powell. Um, and I remember that being kind of mind blowing. On Real Vision. Then, sorry? On Real Vision. On Real Vision. Yeah. And then on Real Vision, I listened to uh, uh, an interview there was with Saifedean, which completely mm -hmm. blew my mind. With Marty. And, uh, yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, and and after that, um, so Saifedean, uh, Bitcoin Standard. And then I went on to uh, uh, the guests that uh, uh, What Bitcoin Did podcast uh, had. And yeah, just at first choosing what podcast I was listening to and then listening to all of them. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and that's really what's started everything for me. Just these, uh, yeah, the plan B way of looking at it and then Saifedean. And, I mean, I think there's just so many concepts there that make so much sense and have nothing to do with the classic ideas that, uh, I mean, for me, it really hit. That was before Real Vision went full retard. Yes. It's such a shame. That was the, I know those interviews. That was the Bitcoin versus gold week that they did. And I remember yes. watching, I was just like, yeah, feed me more, feed me more. And I, I must have been around 17, 18, I guess. I can't remember exactly when they ran it. Um, yeah, not sure, 18, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but I remember the, the, the Plan B one. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, and then Martia and Safe. But I'd been watching that for years beforehand. And uh, they'd had Tour, Demister on, Trace Mayer on, Wences Cesares on. Mm. And I was gutted when they went full retard, really gutted and uh, lost a lot of respect for the platform and for Raul and Phil Remy, who just wrecked as many people as he could somehow in uh, the lunar bullshit. Yeah. Um, a real shame. Uh, Bitcoin yeah. derangement syndrome is, is real. And if you're running a platform like that, that is heavily backed by fiat legacy venture capitalist money, you're going to get pushed and cajoled into making decisions that are not in the best interest of your subscriber base, which is a, such a fear fucking hangover. It's um, it's greed, I think. It's uh, having I'm... the option of making more money, more fiat, because that's what we need, right? In a fiat system, what you need is more fiat, and you try and get some by any means possible, which leads to abusing others to cheating to i mean just all the negative aspects of our society um and it's based off this greed that our inflationary system creates in our minds that's uh yeah the, it's uh it sucks <laughs> clearly so if your dad worked in energy and, and heating he he must have some pretty strong opinions on what's going on right now as we're entering into uh a winter here in europe and facing an energy crisis there's putin's war like putin's price hike and all of this kind of bullshit that we're being gaslit with uh, and the poor normies are believing um 
yeah what what's what's your take on that you you must have uh, a pretty um close eye on, on what's going on and, and how bitcoin fixes this um any any insights any conversations you can you can uh guide in 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 that direction with uh with the old man so you know i like I, I try and have a lot of these conversations because, of course, like he worked all his life in this industry in the top uh, executive uh, positions. So he understands very well how it works. Uh, and he is all on board the, you know, not so much fossil fuels are good, but the nuclear side of it. And he, I mean, he worked for EDEF, which is like the French uh, electricity mm -hmm. company that is the company that you know had the most wait a minute reactors. does he have free electricity at home no he does get oh discounts. <laughs> uh oh okay all right <laughs> you know where i'm going with that i, I think uh, yeah i think <laughs> they have like once you leave the job you have like 10 percent for life or something like that I, Plug while those you work there it's, in. Uh, it's yeah longer. come on let's get some let's get some s9s plugged in the basement <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh basically he um uh, so, so, you know, he has a lot of insights and always I try and like, whenever I have new information, I try to run it by him. The problem is that he is also just very stuck in legacy media. So he doesn't get so much of the information, you know, like I'm the one that is going to be sharing the, like the newest info and the worst info, right? Because legacy media doesn't share. I mean, some do, right? I mean, one uh, person that I follow a lot for this is uh, uh, Javier Blas on Twitter. He's like, the from Bloomberg, the guy that takes care of uh, everything that is energy related in Bloomberg, uh, and he shares a lot of really, really good insights. So this is legacy media, but somehow I don't see it being shared anywhere else than Twitter. Uh, um, and yeah, and so I, I, you know, I share this with my dad and it leads to a lot of conversations, but he is very stuck with the idea that, you know, it is Putin's fault and like uh, it, it, that. It's it's both put in faults and the faults of all the environmentalists in France, basically. But this is like today we have a problem because of Putin, but um part of the responsibility, a smaller part of the responsibility, is the past 15, 20 years of environmentalists in France that have been pushing for shutting down uh nuclear and just following the words of uh, the German. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of uh yeah, it's such a it's such a yeah it's a nightmare i was speaking with uh sebastian from uh big block data in um mm -hmm. in biarritz last week and he's like you know that th th he's had conversations at the highest level and he's like odf disaster just don't want to listen don't want to listen and if you think about there's so much um hydropower uh you know generated from the rivers here in, in france um Toulouse is a perfect example. They've got the, the great big um, power station there, which they use for a lot of power. Uh, and you can go in, I don't know if you've ever been, you can go in and tour around the whole generator. And like, it's fascinating. It's really very, very interesting, especially with now as a Bitcoin mindset. You're like, fuck guys, you could be, you would never ever have to raise or lower the, um, the depth of the river ever again if you were just running bitcoin miners on yeah. there a hundred percent they could take all of that excess power or you just shut them off mm -hmm. so how then would any environmentalist have a problem with that because yeah. we all know when you fuck with the rivers they go too high or 
too low, you're killing so much of the nat natural habitat and so yeah. many of the different species that it's like, guys, just plug in the miners. It's done. And you'll never yeah. have a blackout. And, you know, we can all live, you know, a better life and pure 100% efficiency for one whole city. Yeah. Yeah. No one so, wants to and, listen. Uh, it drives you mad. It's, yeah. And, and but, you know, so I'm, I have these kind of conversations with my dad, in fact, because I try and tell him, look, I, so I've created a, a business plan, or at least, you know, um, let's say 50% of what a business plan could look like with all the pro forma accounting and like a whole presentation to like pitch this to someone. And I tell my dad, look, like you have a network, like in the, so he's retired, right? But mm -hmm. you still have a network, people that work there that can put you in relation. Like, what if we try and do this together? You know, like I'm the Bitcoin guy that can show exactly, explain the story and the potential that exists there and uh, how Bitcoin can change their business model, completely flip it upside down and lead to cheaper energy and more abundant energy, right? So I can take care of that story and show data that represents that. And you can just be there to provide the network and bring this back to um, the right terminology, like the right, you know, to be able to have the proper prof professional conversation with uh, people from the energy industry. And he's, um, I mean, the more we talk about it, the less reluctant he is to it. But he, like, you can tell that he's not, yet convinced enough bought into the idea that bitcoin can change the world like that uh, or that uh, you can now magically come up with like a great new solution to like change the world of uh, like energy um he's just too stuck in the fact that he did his whole career in this industry and throughout his whole career it always worked the same way so he's not open enough to this idea and i think that that's the problem uh in Europe in general, because we see how the energy grid is handled here, which mm -hmm. is not great. And uh, I think is resistant to just uh, a lot of the change. Now, I think anyway, right now, it doesn't really make sense to even like start mining Bitcoin in Europe. I mean, Europe seems to be kind of against Bitcoin <laughs> quite clearly. And they, you know, have too many energy struggles to like start and use more. I mean, you know, like the whole media around it would never work. And plus energy is so expensive that like miners will never be competitive enough here in Europe. So it's kind of a lost cause here, which is, well, as a European, I, I, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but uh, I don't see how uh, Europe could soon become a leader when it comes to Bitcoin mining. I just don't see it happening in the next five years. No, I agree. Um, yeah, what a, what a sad state of affairs. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we talk about this in the space, you know, that the pendulum swinging, um, is, it's swung as far as it can in the direction of environmental greenwashing and whatever else. And people are going to get a huge smacking a bollocks when this pendulum swings back the other way when you're cold all winter because you can't afford the fuel i mean looking at it here just to fill up uh, the fuel to run our boiler system last year i did it at around 85 to 90 cents per liter mm. this year it's costing a dollar uh, a euro 60 to a euro 65 mm -hmm. this is ridiculous mm. and most people as you know in france are 100% reliant on well, one, welfare payments, their, their, their CAF payments, which aren't going up. 
their wages are not going up. They are, I mean, it's a big country. Most people are very reliant on their own form of transport, i.e. at least one, maybe two cars. Mm. Look at the price of gasoline. Um, and now just to heat their, most people are going to be, you know, worried, struggling, anxious, afraid. And this is what is breeding the society we have right now. And then you've got clowns like Lagarde coming out telling us, oh, it's just a hump. And don't worry, we're going to come out of the, the hump the other side. And then Van der Looyen yesterday coming out and saying there's going to be mandatory, um, what, what I can't remember the exact word she used, but mandatory curtailment of energy use during peak hours. So that means people are, you know, uh, it, it's just madness. Yeah. complete madness and, yeah and i wonder also how it's going to change the mental state of many people because peak hour i believe it's 6 to 9 a.m and then 6 to 9 p.m um and i mean that's so people that follow a fiat world they work nine to five or so so they have a few hours in the morning where they will you know I don't know, have blackouts or they won't be able to use energy. We don't know yet what it means, right? But they'll have these few hours in the morning where like they're already kind of depressed. They'll have to go mine some more fiat. And then they spend their day mining said fiat. And then they come back home and same thing. They're like next peak hours and next limits in what energy they can use. I think, I mean, it can drive people a bit nuts, I think. Or, you know, maybe make people go to bars a bit more and become alcoholics. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. It is classic escapism when you get home at that time. I remember Fiat Life, all people want to do is uh, throw in some kind of frozen meal in their uh, in their oven and, and, you know, fall into the dip on their sofa and put on Netflix and just try and escape the and shut shut out the world that you've just, been part of and and that crazy world where you are forced onto the roads all at the same time or onto the buses or onto the trains all at the same time and um it, such a fucking clown world it's it it's so ridiculous and the more people that wake up the sooner i mean look at look at how we're talking about here we are france france a a, a first world nation in air quotes mm. one of the uh the the western democratic again in the in the loosest of air quotes um you know civilized nations it's pathetic it's yeah. unbelievable truly truly unbelievable and if people can't see it for what it is i don't know what's going to wake them up i really don't i mean like the way i see it is that it, from here, it's only going to get worse, right? like in the short, medium term. Um, and I think this, and it's unfortunate that this is what is required for people to have their wake-up call and realize, okay, actually, it's not all pretty like I thought it was. It's uh, actually just very poorly managed and uh, maybe it could work differently. But I think that's not going to happen until... I mean, Europe is in a very bad position. And I think it's going to be, I mean, if you think about it, the top uh, uh, industries are being shut down. Germany is like shutting down any kind of uh, 
um, metal, you know, big uh, uh, industries, the kind of thing that requires a lot of energy because it's just too expensive for them. Yeah? And that's the kind of thing in the middle of, I mean, think about it. There's a conflict with Ukraine right now and all of the European weapons are going there to a war that, I mean, I don't know, how is it going? I can't say, right? It depends what media you look at. Yeah, it's, One will tell you it's going great. The other is going to tell you it's going really poorly. Yeah? Regardless, all of our military equipment is going there. And we find ourselves in a position where um, there is no more industry to even produce more military equipment. So if ever Putin's ambitions grow bigger, um, how can you even defend yourself? It's uh, this... Like it's just one more thing that illustrates the negative potential that exists in Europe. I, I just I don't see this going well in the next few years. It's uh, very dark times, and I think that this is what is going to be a wake up wake up call for many. But I think it's going to go through a lot of dark times before that. Yeah. So if we've got factories shutting down all over Europe, um, you know, it, it's going to exacerbate the already screwed up supply um chains that were you know affected for closing down the economy for two years like complete freaking psychopaths that these people are and then you get into the discussion malice or incompetence and <laughs> i know there seems to be a hell of a lot of malice baked into this and yeah. a lot of forethought and planning for those people who want to grab more power and want to grab more money. It, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the the the, um, the Pfizer figures just melt your brain. It's like some I can't remember. It's gonna I'm gonna pull a number out my ass. Eighty five billion or something uh, in profit from two products that don't fucking work. Yeah. It's a clown world. We live in a total clown world. And yeah. it's... Yeah, it's yeah. What? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. What, so are you, what are your plans? Like um, you're, you're planning to stay nimble, uh, live, the, live the sovereign individual kind of uh, thesis out and uh, keep, um, keep your options open. And Because there could be new, new lockdowns, right? Yeah, it, yeah. If they turn around and say, right, you are not allowed to use your cars between the hours of X and Y, they could pull that shit. Look what they did the last two years. Yeah. Or like they'll just ground flights again because I don't care if yeah. entrepreneurial um, airlines go out of business because the flag carriers always get bailed out. Yeah. Uh, it, so why are we having these conversations man like this is <laughs> it's crazy right yeah it's really it also yeah i it, it's hard to understand that we've even come to this point but uh i guess it's just the nature of things right now when it comes to me personally i mean i'm you know focus on bitcoin i think if there's one thing that gives hope in all of this it's the one single thing that can change all the incentives in our system and that's bitcoin so i think if, if there's any moment to uh, double down on uh, explaining Bitcoin, making more people adopt it, uh, understand it, it's now. It's like as important a moment as it ever was, I think. Um, so, you know, this also gives me hope and motivates me a lot. Um, now, I don't, I'm trying to be as agile as possible when it comes to how I'm going to approach this. So first off, 
I don't want to spend winter in a city. I'd rather stay in a small town somewhere by the ocean. You know, there's forest around. I can mind my own my own business, and uh, people won't mind my business. Um, I, I'm also uh, uh, going to set up normally a business in El Salvador for this next project, right? Because uh, for a documentary, for a film, you need a, a business, and I'm thinking of incorporating it there because of, uh, well, Bitcoin and just uh, having the whole, um, I mean, trying to document at the same time, building a Bitcoin business in Bitcoin country, um, having it eventually transferred to Bitcoin city. And I think this um, will lead to new opportunities as well uh, and will allow me to have an even greater flexibility. And I think that's what people should try and privilege today, kind of see, um, I mean, like, be already with a mindset that you may have to detach from your belongings uh, and just be as agile as possible. Otherwise, I mean, we don't know what's coming, right? Clearly, uh, it's not looking good. Uh, and the more easily you can adapt, the better, right? I mean, that's, uh, I, I always like uh, quoting uh, a stupid quote, but uh, it's uh, Brad Pitt in World War Z when he says, Movimiento es vida. That's <laughs> moving is life, you know, and that's you have to always be able to adapt. And that's, you know, in bad scenarios like we're talking about now, but even in good scenarios, if you think of your career just being able to be an agile, I mean, whatever, that's also true. We are nomadic by design, mm. you know, uh, that that's um, that's that's where our species evolved from. You, you can't, you cannot deny that. And uh, one one thing that uh, that holds us back are these nation states that issue us with these travel documents that either do or don't let us into a part of the freaking planet. That you know, <laughs> this this whole concept now blows my mind as well. The the uh, imaginary lines in the sand, um, yeah. and my booklet might let me in, and your booklet might let you stay for only three months. Mm. Uh, it's just how did we get to this point where we let these fuckers just uh, you know control absolutely everything that we do it, it's unreal yeah there's just a moment where some people manage to play smart and they create a whole slave society i think that's uh and the when that arrives when everyone is just dependent on the government and you work for the governments rather than the governments for you, that's when they can do whatever they want, including making little booklets yep. <laughs> that tell you where you can or can't go. Hence why 34% of France's GDP was spent on welfare yeah. to create this dependency. Yeah. And the I, I do you know the figure for the amount of people, the employable population in France that works for the government or is a civil servant of some sort do you have any mm -hmm. clue what that is no no i would love to know that yeah it's a it's a a burgeoning system that's already bursting at the seams uh, but they will make up a new administrative process for the most mundane of things just so that they can keep bringing more and more people under their employ to yeah, make people dependent continue on continue adding Layers of useless complexity to day-to-day, -day, I mean, I was going to say day-to-day -day processes, but they're just day-to-day -day activities that became processes. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Well, I usually ask uh, the same question at the end of each show, 
your um your film your work is kind of an eternal orange pill because you never know when somebody's going to discover it and watch it so if you if you had the choice of one person to watch that film who would it be and why it's hard to say who um i mean it would someone that would be able to um spread this like get the information not necessarily spread my film like i don't necessarily care about that but spread the information that is in there to a population that doesn't necessarily think that way you see what i mean um because my film is just it i mean there's my film is just a collection of all of the Bitcoin information that is out there. Yeah? And I think anyone else should be able to take this film to um, gather this information and be able to spread it further, right? So the most influential person that could do this that isn't going to share this with just other Bitcoiners would be the ideal person. Now, who that is? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit hard for me to say, you know, just a... Uh, very influential from outside the Bitcoin world. I think that's uh... all right. Well, if people want to reach out, uh, and by the way, do you have the do you have any subtitles on the film for those people? Yeah, that... I have yep. them in English, in Russian, in Portuguese, in Spanish, uh, in Indonesian. Uh, all community made actually, uh, just people that reached out and sent them over to me. All right, that's awesome. So if anybody does want to help out and get this um, translated into their own native tongue. They can uh, just reach out to Pierre. Uh, your The title of the show will be your Twitter handle. And people can reach you there in your DMs. Uh, I'll put the geyser link in there as well. So if people want to throw across um, some sats to to help you with uh, with your next project, they, they can find that there. Uh, is there anywhere else you'd like um, people to find you? Are you going to be going to any conferences or anything like that? Um, how else can people uh, reach out? Uh, yeah, so in uh, October, I'm going to be going to a conference in Bulgaria and Sofia. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll be speaking there together, I think, on a panel with uh, Greg Foss and I think someone else. Uh, yeah, so just uh, on a panel there. Then after that, right after that, a conference in uh, Edinburgh um, with a similar kind of people, actually, also a panel with Greg Foss. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, and then uh, at adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador, unless uh, travels are blocked by the European Union. Oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's where you'll be able to like find me, meet me. And other than that, I think uh, uh, just go and give a follow to the Twitter page of the, the Great Reset Films, because that's, um, you know, that's, I mean, I retweet everything, so go and like follow me too. But that's where we're... Uh, I'm mostly working to gather uh, followers uh, in order to um, just promote our campaigns or more promote our project and uh, and you know increase awareness. And so we share um, our research articles that you know are then published on Bitcoin Magazine and uh, just to try to increase all this old new video. Everything will be out there. So I recommend everyone to go to go follow us. All right, brother. Well, it's been great to get to know you. Great to know that um, you're out there making more quality, quality content. Congrats on being part of the top tier on the Geyser Grant program. Very, very well deserved. 
I hope those sats are going to go a long way to helping you achieve, um, you know, what, what you want to. And um, like I said, offer stance, you know, I'm here. You can reach out to me anytime you want, anytime you need any help. And I look forward to meeting you. I'm not going to cross you in any of those conferences this year, but I hope to meet you in person uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, th thank you very much for having me and thanks for everything you do for Bitcoin yourself. <laughs> thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening, first of all. And thank you, Pierre, for coming on the show and for everything that you're doing in the Bitcoin space. And you might have heard a little bit about Geyser there in this show. This is something I urge everybody to go and check out. It's an amazing project put together by some very cool plebs. Uh, it's G-E-Y-S-E-R, at Geyser on Twitter. Go to their website, peruse through all of the different projects, find the ones that are resonating with you, and throw 10, 20, 50 bucks at a project, you know? Uh, if you've got the sats to spare, if you're sitting there thinking, how do I contribute to this space? This is one of the ways that you can do this. Uh, you know, these guys aren't getting the big money. They're not getting huge support. Uh, there is projects out there that are being built on an absolute shoestring. Uh, so yeah, go find it. Go find something that's resonating with you. Uh, before we do sign off from this one, I just want to uh, say uh, a big shout out to everybody that listens to the show, gives me feedback in any way, shape or form. I really do appreciate it. I've been t uh, picked up on the way I pronounce the word this uh, this week, so I have been trying to uh, rectify that coiny McBitface. I hope this is coming across uh, a little bit better. Uh, if you want to support the show sponsors, you know who they are. Uh, it's been a long-standing relationship with these guys: SwanBitcoin.com, CoinCorner.com, and Relay.ch. They're all going to help you stack Sats. You can find these links in the show notes. Shift Crypto are going to help you take control. All of these companies have a really laser eye focus on education as well. So you're in good hands when you go to any of these Bitcoin companies. Come and find us Amsterdam in Prague for Liberty in Our Lifetime. Or if you're getting across to the west coast of the US, Swan Bitcoin are putting on a Pacific Bitcoin conference. Again, there's links in the show notes. There are codes that you can find to use four discounts on all of these tickets but i can guarantee you hanging out with bitcoiners and going to find out what is going on listening to some of the panels hanging with the guys in the corridors going to side events going to the bars going to the restaurants is so good for your soul it is worth the investment of one of these tickets and if you've not done a conference before check one out or even a meetup Maybe get your feet wet with a meetup. There's going to be a great meetup in Silverstone coming up with the Bitcoin racing guys who are also being funded by plebs at Geyser. 16th of October, Silverstone. We're going to be eating pupusas as well. It's going to be awesome. Check out Consensus Network because you can buy books in many different languages there. And Ungovernable Misfits for your t-shirts, hoodies, and other kind of merch. Love you guys. Take care. Look forward to the next show.